Welcome back to Magnificently Black. I am your host, Seven. And I'm Jen. On the Magnificently Black podcast, we will share our journey through life as we navigate through careers, entrepreneurship, financing, travel, and all things black. Let's talk. Welcome back to Magnificently Black. Um, today on our podcast, we will be joined by a guest. Her name is Ajane. Um, Her background is she is a proud graduate of UNCG and um, North Carolina Central University. She's She holds degrees in education and library and information sciences, science. Today, we will be discussing the current state of education from an educator's perspective and making the transition from the classroom to corporate America. So everybody, welcome our guest, John A. And yeah. Hi, Hi. thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for joining us. So um, as you know, this is the Magnificently Black podcast is me and Jen. This is our first episode for the year. And we chose someone that would give us some information about the school system, not even just the school system, just education from an educator's point of view, from the classroom, going into the corporate America and seeing if the grass is always greener on the other side. So um, Jen, tell us how your year's been going and we can catch up and John A, we just gonna converse, conversate and stuff. So what's up? So everything's going good for the new year for me, uh, new job for me. So um, it's, uh, you know, a little busy with that, but uh, I'm looking forward to this year, starting out good with my exercise and dieting. So everything's good. What about you guys? Let's say, John A, what's going on in your life? How is the new year going for you and everything? So far, so good. We're only almost a weekend, but I'm excited to see what happens in 2024 and what the year has in store for me. Okay. That's so some great. of the things that I have been doing or we've been doing for 2024 is uh, fasting kind of like an intermittent fasting as well as just working out and just being more in tune with our health is one of our biggest goals that I feel like that's a goal for every year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're we're going to go ahead and get into our subject. So Jana, you want to give us some other information about your background leading to like education, like maybe why you chose it or um, some more information about teaching? Okay, well, I'll start off talking a little bit about why I got into the field of education. Growing up, I've always been big on reading and education. Like I would come home from school and force my brothers and sisters to play school with me until my parents decided that I couldn't do that anymore. And then my classroom consisted of my teddy bears and doll babies. But I've always desired to be the one in front of the students teaching them something. So um, throughout high school, I kind of went back and forth as to what I wanted to do, because we all know that teachers don't get paid that much. So that was my big hesitation about going into the field of education. But during my senior year of high school, I was afforded the opportunity to go do an internship at a local elementary school. And I just mm -hmm. fell in love with it. And it kind of like was something that I thought I could do, but actually being in the field and experiencing it, even as a high school intern, it really just, you know, uh, inspired my desire to go into the field of education. So I applied to UNCG, I got a full ride. And then once I got there, it was okay, I want to be a teacher, but what do I want to teach? So I went back and forth between elementary education, 
middle grades education and special education, but UNCG started a program where they were offering um, dual certification. So I double majored in elementary and special education. So I was able to, you know, dibble and dabble in both of them and get all the certification and experience that I needed. So when I got out into the field, I had, you know, more to offer. So um, I transitioned into the role of a special education teacher after graduating. um, That didn't last very long. Um, Special education (laughs) is not for the weak of heart. Um, You really have to desire to help those students because they have a lot of challenges and difficulties and um, being 21 years old fresh out of college going to a middle school setting where the kids were bigger than me you know some of them had been through some Uh, things that kind of you know rattled my boots so um, I wasn't prepared necessarily so I transitioned shortly after that to being an elementary school teacher so I taught fourth grade for a couple years then I tried middle school again um, with sixth grade Middle school might not be for me after the second go round. I think I concluded that that might not be for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I did fourth grade and third grade before becoming a librarian. So I decided after a few years in the classroom that teaching is not what it used to be. You know, the focus Mm -hmm. now is the testing. Everyone wants to make sure that these kids know how to pass the test. It's not that they know how to read or they know how to do math, but do they know how to take the test? And that, um, it dampened my passion for education because it took Mm -hmm. away from the focus of making sure that these children are ready to go out into the world and be productive members of society. Can they get a job? Can they, you know, lead? These are going to be our doctors, our lawyers, all of our providers and are they going to be equipped to do those things? And I didn't feel like I was necessarily helping them Mm -hmm. um, to achieve that just by teaching them how to take a test. So I tried to think about what do I like and how can I, um, I guess like restructure my position in the educational Mm -hmm. realm. So that's how I landed on um, librarianship. So I completed my master's degree in library science from North Carolina Central University and then went on to become a media (laughs) specialist, uh, which which is another title for a school librarian. And that's my current role. Um, Yeah. Now, now, so, so I'm, I'm hearing a lot about, um, the transitioning into figuring out what type of education you want to go to. And mm-hmm. I, I've I've kind of been resonating with some of that stating, you know, to my daughter. Has education in your uh, mind changed a little bit since we were growing up? For instance, is the dynamics in school a little more riskier than uh, when we were in school getting an education? Is that some or part of the reason that you left education? Or do you feel that it's just based off of how they are um, teaching the kids and what their path is and and how they're, you know, taking tests, for instance? Is that one of your reasons for transitioning out of education because the dynamics are a little bit different from when Mm per se, I was going to school. Now I'm a little bit older than than you (laughs) gals, but uh, when I was going to school, you know, school was totally different. You know, you don't have the fights, you don't have the, you know, uh, metal detectors and that kind of thing in schools that could be an issue for teachers wanting to move out of this because it's a little risky to go to work every day. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you felt like you faced or, or no? Yeah, absolutely. Um, When I think about why teachers are leaving the profession and looking for something different, the three main things that are driving people out are the pay, 
the children and the unrealistic mm -hmm. expectations. And mm -hmm. when I say the children, it's not necessarily, you know, most teachers love children. We love working with children. That's a big reason why we go into the field of education. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you guys have heard the quote that the, the kids are not afraid of anything. The teachers yeah. are afraid of admin. Admin is afraid of the parents, the board of education, but the kids, they're running things at this point because they don't have yeah. the consequences in place that used to be in place when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Growing up, we had more consequences for our actions. I was never in school during the, the age of paddling, like when the teachers could, you know, do that type of thing. Yeah. But teachers had more um, control and authority when it came to discipline. Mm -hmm. because of the data and they don't want the records to show how many kids are getting suspended or students receiving ISS because they want them to be in the classroom. Kids can do whatever. You can get into a fight and be back in the classroom the next day. You can cuss mm -hmm. out the teacher. They'll send oh, you to the no. guidance council for 15 minutes, give you a snack and a drink and send you back to class. Wow. So <laughs> see, there's not when I was in school, it was never like that. It was like, maybe you have to no. go like ISS or mm -hmm. you would get a referral. You get a couple of days home. You're going to come back and you're going to be acting fine. You may get in a fight at the end of the year, but it's not going to be like, yeah, none, nothing like that. Yeah. I find that um, I have to give it to teachers nowadays because they are facing a different generation. Things are different. Um, kind of the hands off you can't touch a student you can't tell them to sit down they're recording everything right um, so Absolutely. that's an issue as well um so i guess that that kind of leads me to the to the next question are we losing a lot of our teachers is the big question out here you know we have to get our kids educated in order to prepare them and get them into college but mm -hmm. i feel like our teachers are changing their direction changing their you know their profession uh, due to these kind of issues that they're having within the education um, world, let's say. Um, so so I'll uh, add in that I, I took a transition away from the classroom. So after a year and a half as a media specialist, it just wasn't given what it was supposed to give. So <laughs> I decided to look at something else. And with education, it's very difficult to pivot into corporate America because they kind of trap you with this mindset of thinking you're only a teacher. What else can oh. you do? We don't mm -hmm. have the certifications and the skill sets that transition over to corporate America or so mm -hmm. you think like this is what, you know, they kind of push out to you and you see it a lot. Even with like LinkedIn, I kind of have, you know, a love-hate relationship with LinkedIn because a lot of these different, um, I, I guess, career coaches, they try to like prey on educators and say, hey, let me teach you how to change Market your resume yourself. so that you can, yeah. yeah. And they want to charge you $300 to help you yeah. write your resume, you no, know, because no. a lot of teachers are like, my background is education. This is all mm -hmm. I know. Corporate America is completely different when we really do have a lot of the soft skills and even hard skills that companies are looking for. We just don't know how to write that up because writing a resume to get a teaching job is completely different from yeah. writing one where they're looking to see what was your impact? What percentage did you, you know, how did you help this company? It's completely mm. different. And a lot mm. of teachers are kind of taking advantage of when they're trying to make that transition. But I was able to make the transition out of um, the school system into 
a corporate role as a metadata specialist for a TV company in South Carolina due to my master's degree in library and information science. So because of that information science aspect of it, I was able to pivot out of the educational realm into something different. And everything that I learned in my master's program wasn't specifically tailored to education. It wasn't specifically tailored to running a school library, but just data collection, information um, storage in general. So I was able to make that transition out of the classroom. And initially it was amazing. I'm like, oh, I can go to the bathroom <laughs> when I want to go. I really have 30 minutes for lunch. Like, you yeah. know, I can walk and go get a cup of coffee if I need to. Nobody's calling my name 10 times a day. Like it, it felt like a breath of fresh air to go through it. But even like getting the job took a minute because with teaching, you might get hired on the spot and start the next day. But with corporate America, I had oh, to go no. through three phases Weeks. of interviews. Mm -hmm. Most so of your that interviews. Was completely different. Yeah, most yeah, of your been, interviews definitely be panels and it'd be mm -hmm. like me and Jennifer can tell you, you will go into an interview and it will be your first interview, maybe Zoom. You have one person, then mm -hmm. your next interview is going to be with like a, somebody with human resources. Then your next one is like, oh, well, we want to see how you're going to fit in on the team. Yeah, and right. the team is like five people and you're like, okay, so who do I need to look at? Well, what do I, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's it's time, intimidating. It's time too. Yeah, it's it's time consuming too. You know, you're preparing for all this. You don't know what you know. All these people are going to ask you. For me, for mm -hmm. instance, I probably had four to five interviews for for one position before I even heard anything. And you're constantly mm -hmm. preparing for these things. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little, you know, it's a bit overkill. I think now to do that because for you sure. can talk to someone all day and not know their performance or what they can do inside once you give them a job. So mm -hmm. I think that, um, I don't know why companies have went to doing panels, but it's it's time consuming. And if they don't hire you, it's a little bit of waste of time for me. Mm -hmm. and, and then for teachers, you don't really have that flexibility of time. Like you have to take days off and we already don't get that many of them. But you know, if you're going through all of these constant interviews, you have to take a day off for interview one, a day off for interview two, take mm -hmm. a half a day, write yeah. lesson plans. And sometimes yeah. that's more, you know, time consuming and stress inducing than it's worth. And then teachers are like, okay, what do I do? Do I take this interview? Why am I still interviewing for the same job? Do they want me or do they not want me? So, you know, it's a difficult position to be in. We're trying to navigate even the hiring process um, with corporate positions versus with the education system. That's yeah. one of the things I have definitely heard uh, numerous teachers say is which, uh, what you just said about how you have to go through the interview process and how teaching is just like, okay, hire on the spot. But do you think it's higher on the spot because the lack of teachers there mm -hmm. are versus like in corporate America is just like, okay, like you like on LinkedIn, you have, it will show you, okay, 700 people applied for this position yeah. versus like when teaching is just like, hey, we have a shortage. We just need you. So do you think right. that's. I think the bar, has, forgive me for saying this, but the bar is low. The bar is low mm. for hiring educators because mm. there's so many people leaving the professions in drones. There's not as many 
students in education preparation programs at colleges because they see what they're inheriting. Like, you know, because of social media, social media has really allowed like young teachers in their early 20s, you know, those early in the profession to really showcase, okay, this is what's going on. I'm not, I'm sure if you look on um, TikTok, you'll see a lot of trendy topics in education as far as Gen Alpha not being able to read. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. even when they had the TikTok challenges where students were destroying schools, like, who really wants to sign up for this? And then they're going to pay me $5? Schools? Like, wait, it's wait. not. They were destroying mm-hmm. schools like how? It like was a the... TikTok challenge where they were like vandalizing the school. Uh, I don't understand the rationale uh, behind it, but it was just like, you know, destroy the bathroom and post it on TikTok type thing. So it, it's just so much that is hindering people from wanting to even embark on a career in education and if it's there's no solutions in place like there's no plan for how do we correct this how do we get ahead of these issues it's still you know the teachers aren't doing their part it's a lot of the blame falls on teachers and that that's why my third reason with unrealistic (laughs) expectations yeah, that th- they expect teachers to do way more than we physically have the time to do the resources, the power and the energy to do. Because now, you know, when I was in school, classroom sizes in elementary school, there were no more than like 22 kids, 24 kids. Like you can buy one bag of chips for the whole class at a class party. <laughs> Nowadays, because there's 32, 33 <laughs> kindergartners in a class, you, you yeah. know, that it's completely different with the ratio mm. of teachers to students. So that kind of mm. impact how um teachers are feeling about the profession because you're they're not getting the support that they're need they're needing paraprofessionals kind of don't exist in mm-hmm. certain counties and districts so it's it's a challenging thing so so if it was for someone that's in we gonna say elementary school first starting out like what would be some like advice you would give to them like to help their children be able, like you said, be able to read, to Mm -hmm. be able to be able to take tests, but not just take tests. Like what information could you give someone? Well, I would say don't wait until they get to kindergarten. (laughs) Don't wait for kids to start school in order to start their educational journey. Um, Mm -hmm. Nowadays, because parents are able to work from home and because childcare costs are so, you know, astronomical in different regions, Mm -hmm. a lot of parents are choosing to keep their kids at home or with family members. So they're not receiving that early educational, early childhood education that they will receive from like a childcare facility or daycare or preschool because Mm -hmm. it's not as accessible as it once was. So uh, for those kids, if they don't see their first book, if they don't start learning their letters, and uh, sounds and numbers Mm -hmm. until kindergarten, they're already behind. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage for parents to start early when kids are two or three or even before that, read them stories, even if they can't comprehend it, just give them that exposure to words, to sounds, to numbers. There's a lot of educational videos available on YouTube that are free of charge, you know, Mm -hmm. Gracie's Corner I forgot the kindergarten teacher or pre-k teacher lady like there's so many awesome resources that are free or low cost that parents can use and you know nowadays kids are on their iPads and tablets anyway might as well let them watch something that's gonna enhance their educational performance later down the line so my biggest thing is don't wait until they start school if they are already in school parents have to take on a more active role like don't just Mm -hmm. wait for report cards to come out to figure out how your kid is doing don't wait for their test scores to come out to figure out how they're doing parents need to be 
active throughout the school year, be in contact with the teacher. Now, some teachers don't like, you know, parents that are helicopter parents, like how did they do on each assignment? But, you know, you have to play a more active versus passive role in your child's educational career to make sure that you're involved along the way. And it's not trying to play catch up at the end of the semester or the end of the quarter, the end of the school year to figure out how did we get here? Like you need to be more proactive instead of reactive as a parent. Okay. Yeah, that is perfect advice. That is just, that is excellent. And that, and I say the same thing for my daughter. I tell her all the time when she was small, if she was on my phone or anything like that, it was doing ABCs and one, two, threes. It wasn't just mm-hmm. watching a movie. So that is great advice for parent, parents. And I think we've moved away from that too. Like Absolutely. we've moved even away conversations from reading. at the dinner table about yeah. how was your day at school? What did you learn? Even parents checking homework. Now homework is a big topic. Like, should we give mm-hmm. homework? Should we not give homework it's such a controversial thing so you know sometimes parents have to supplement their their child's learning in different ways but parents have to you know ask the teacher hey can you send something home or can you give me a website if homework is not a thing that's you know commonly sent home at your school you have to ask because most teachers have the resources but you know if their principal was saying don't send it home you Mm -hmm. might just have to take that extra step to say hey i see johnny does not know his multiplication facts can you send home something for johnny you know look or have him looking at youtube videos about math something that is from like the educational field if it could be from okay they have these books in school you get a supplemental type of book for your kids they have them at walmart dollar tree family dollar Khan Academy on YouTube is an yes. excellent resource. Like My there's so much that. available. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, I was getting ready to say Khan Academy because my daughter has been on there plenty of times trying to figure out this math because she was in a Montessori school before. So mm. they did math a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. So we put her on Khan Academy so she could do the other kind of math that they're doing, you know, in the public education. So it was, it's a definitely a good resource. There's stuff out there. Parents, just like I said, they need, need to take the time to uh, invest in their their children and education mm-hmm. and not just right. stand back and de- depend on the teacher solely. That's too and much for say, a teacher to have to That's do. your job. That's what you're paid for. It's <laughs> yeah. like- It's a mar- partnership. It's a collaboration. Yeah. It works well when we all work together. Yeah, like that's absolutely. one thing we have to remember. So that, okay, I like this. So you said you went back to education we um we're gonna wrap it up a few but so you went back to education what made you want to go back into education from um from where you were in blue collar that's a great question so in corporate america like i said i was a metadata specialist so a lot of my time was spent in my cubicle typing in um different information related to the television shows and programs and movies and keeping up as the project coordinator with the different films that were making their way through production it was fun work at times but it was also monotonous and with Mm. education it's always new like there's something new every day you know you never know what to expect you can make this perfect lesson plan but even you know something during that day might change that so it was always uh ever-changing with education but I felt like in my role in corporate America it was too boring for me personally my personality did not fit sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day waiting for four (laughs) o'clock to come so I can clock out and um, in education we have more opportunities to like interact with our teens and talk to people and you know you're talking to kids all day so um, going from 
engaged in conversations with children or adults for eight hours versus maybe talking to somebody for two hours out of a day. It was, <laughs> it just was not for me. Um, so I really had to do some self-reflection and say, okay, is it worth me staying in this role? Mm -hmm. um, because I did get paid more. I had less stress. Like it, there are definitely pros to different industries versus education, but I had to do the self-reflection and say, is it worth it? Do the pros outweigh the cons? Or is this something that I could see myself doing long-term? And for me, yeah. I couldn't see myself retiring in that type of role or in mm -hmm. that field. So mm -hmm. I had to think about my long-term goals. What am I passionate about? I tried to think about, okay, yeah, I'm passionate about children and education. Can I do a side hustle where I still have this nice corporate job, but I'm yeah. still able to fuel my passion on the side. But being that, you know, kind of get me, got me into the hustle culture. Like, okay, I got a full-time job. I got a side job that just, again, does not align with my lifestyle. So mm -hmm. I had to think about what works best for me. And that's, that's my piece of advice that I would give to teachers who are thinking about making the transition from the classroom to corporate America, really do the self-reflection to see, okay, mm -hmm. in this corporate America role, yes, it looks good on paper. It sounds good. Is this something you're going to be fulfilled with? Because I didn't mm -hmm. have that fulfillment. I didn't have that. It was a big void because I didn't feel like I was, you know, living in my God-given purpose. It wasn't something like that, that I was passionate about. I was doing a job, but it wasn't something that, you know, I enjoyed or I wasn't producing work that I was proud of. And, you know, for me as an educator, nothing makes me more proud than seeing my students grow or seeing them get something so to go from you know just typing numbers in and information about a program to really making an impact on the life of a child that mm -hmm. kind of that pro outweighed the pros from the other position so I would encourage anyone who's considering it to really self-reflect think about what are you looking for can you get those things in your role in education does it require leaving the field completely or just pivoting um in your current position so Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, thank you for that information. And I like the way you, uh, said before you have to do some self-reflection. So all of our listeners out there, when you are transitioning, whether it is from education to corporate America or from corporate America to education, just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. It's sometimes it is always, some people say, oh, it's about money or, uh, mm -hmm. my love for education do it for you and your family what makes mm -hmm. you happy and so, not because the tiktok girlies make corporate america look so great because you know but i just want to say that you know the famous quote the grass is greener wherever you water it at so whether you choose to water your corporate america grass or your educational career grass you have to make that conscious effort and decide what works best for you so with Absolutely. that being said, this is our episode of Is the Grass Greener um, with Magnificently Black. We have Jen, um, me at seven, and then we have our special guests, John A. And um, we just enjoyed talking to you guys today and yeah. join us again for another episode. Bye. And thank you, John A. Thank you for thank having you. me. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope that today's episode inspired you to continue to be the best version of yourself and remind yourself that you are magnificently black. Everything black is beautiful. Until next time.